Hi, this is Pastor Jake from Harvest Community Church. We meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. at 18511 East Hampton Avenue, Suite 204. We're located in the Movie Tavern Shopping Center next to the State Farm. You can check us out online at Facebook or on our webpage at harvestcolorado.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Um, Genesis 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now, please forgive the transgressions of the servant of God, of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for I am, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it, uh, or bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This past year, being in the pastorate, I didn't ever realize the depth of the hurt that my soul would feel. I never realized that, that how hard it is to care so deeply for people and then to have those relationships taken from you, either by choice or by circumstance. Sometimes in ways that you never thought that somebody could uh, wish you harm. And it hurts. You know what it's like to be betrayed. You know what it's like to be hurt. You know what it's like to be abandoned and left for dead, in a sense. You know. How are you supposed to deal with that? I mean, there was part of me that is, in my mind, prepares all the great things I would say to that person or the people that, that if I meet them on the street... You know, walk up to them and really just let them have it. Let them have a piece of my mind. I mean, just, and I'd be in the right. You might be in the right. You all have the speech, right? You're prepared to, to land the body blow, the liver shot, the uppercut. You've prepared the speech and you're like, man, I tell you what, if me and this person are in an alleyway, it's going down. I'm going to lay into them and I'm just going to wrath of God them right here, right now. I'm going to tear them apart. For all hurt and pain they, they gave me. I mean, why, why did bad stuff happen to good people, right? Why does bad stuff happen to me? Why do I have to shoulder this and endure this kind of stuff? Why? why? I think today, more than anything, this one uh, sent me to the woodshed. This passage put me in my place this week. See, I think God gives us a pattern of how to respond when bad things happen to us. In this passage this week, I think God gives us the blueprint for how to deal when evil comes our way. I think He wants us to understand that it's vital to learn how to respond to evil more than to ask for an explanation of why it happened. This is a blueprint for us in how to deal with people who have hurt us. So let's get into it real quick. Who's Joseph? 
as you know, when we go through the uh, survey of the scriptures, it's kind of hard. You kind of pass over a bunch of people. And we've passed over a bunch of people. And we've landed on Joseph. So who's Joseph? Well, many of us already know that Joseph is one of the 12 sons of Jacob, who we talked about last week. He is one of 12. His mother is Rachel. Rachel had two sons, Joseph uh, and Benjamin. But out of all 12 of Jacob's sons, Joseph was the most favored. You know, there's even a Broadway show about it, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, which I'd have to see that coat. But every time I think of it, if you've ever watched Seinfeld, there's an there's a episode where Kramer is walking down the street in this like jacket, right? And it's... I apologize. I'm, forgive me. I see that's what I love about a small church because I can say this. It looks like a pimp jacket. Right? All fuzzy, right? And he's just walking down with a cane and the hat and the whole thing. That's the kind of, that's what I think of with this jacket that, with this coat that Joseph received from his father. It's the most, like, gaudy uh, form of, of love and adoration his son could have received. I mean, it, it is like gold star, gold star on gold stars on this. And he's like, I love you. And he lavished it all on him. It's a pretty good place to be, to be the most favored son. I mean, I know what that's like. I'm the most favored son in my family. I'm the only son, but you get it. And the least favored son. Depends on the day. But because of his favor, because of how much Joseph or is favored by Jacob, his brothers, the other 11, hate him. And I'm not talking about just a little bit of hatred. I'm talking about like a lifetime times 11 hatred of this man. So they're out in the field one day and here's what happens. They're out in the field. The, the eleven are out doing their shepherding, shepherding thing. And uh, Joseph goes to check on them to see how they're doing. And, th- and as he's coming, they realize he's coming and they devise a plan. And what they end up doing is they beat him to a pulp, take his coat, throw him in a pit, and then sell him to a foreign country. Then they take the coat, they kill an animal, they put blood on it, and they take the, the coat back to Joseph or to Jacob and say, Oh man, something bad happened to your favorite son. He's dead. <laughs> Jacob's destroyed. I mean, he's just, he's, his most favorite son, his love of his life is gone. And his brothers are like, we get more dad now. Who gets the coat? It's like having a, a family, it's like having a family member who, who is rich, uh, and you can't wait for them to die so you can get their stuff. That's the relationship they had with Joseph. So they sold him to the Ishmaelites. And along the way, the Ishmaelites sold him to the Egyptians. So Joseph, who had no wrong, hasn't done anything, has had no malice towards his brother whatsoever, finds himself being hated and thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, and then sold to the Egyptians. And while he's in the Egyptians' slavery, he's sold to the guy named Potiphar, who happens to be like the, the, the head military guy in Egypt. And he says, you're going to work in my house. So Joseph is, is forced into slave labor, into this household, and then he works. But there's a really cool scripture that says that he is, uh, that the Lord is with Joseph. And in spite of his bad circumstances, Joseph rises in uh, uh, favor with Potiphar. To the point where Potiphar goes, man, listen, you're doing a great job. I want to make you the head of my entire household. 
So he rises up, becomes the head of the house, or you know, the whole household. He's the, in charge of all of the slaves and the servants. And apparently that was a good thing, uh, but because his wife uh, said, hey, you're something. Let's, uh, you and me, go in the back and nobody will know the wiser. But Joseph being righteous, Joseph being a good dude who walked with the Lord said, I cannot do this. And she's clamoring on him like, come on, come on, come on. And he just takes off running. And the scripture says that she held on to his coat as he left. And he ran out of the house naked. And because she was so stilted by that whole thing, that, because she was so like uh, denied, which was unheard of, she brings false charges on him. And now Joseph, over no fault of his own, ends up in prison, in Egyptian prison. How do you go from loved to worst to loved to worst? And then in the middle of it, the Lord is still with him and he begins to interpret dreams, and became, which was a really dangerous business to be in. You got it wrong, you died. I mean, that's like the worst jeopardy ever, right? I'll take uh, bad jobs for 500, please. But Joseph continues with the favor of the Lord and the Lord continues to give him dreams and eventually he makes it up to the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh says, listen, what is this dream I've had? And he tells him correctly, he says, listen, a famine is coming. A bad thing is coming and we need to prepare for it because if we don't, we will all die. The entire region, not just Egypt, but everybody else, we need to prepare. And because of his faithfulness to God and because of his faithfulness in the circumstances and because he listened to God, he rose in importance and became the second most powerful guy in Egypt at that point. From good to bad to good to bad to good to bad to good. So how does he use it? How does God use the suffering? Well, like I said, he gained favor with, with Pharaoh and reveals this great coming famine and it saved all of these people. But more importantly, not only did he save people's physical lives, but he also brought about the reconciliation with his family. That's where we find this at here. Earlier in chapter 42, I believe, you find that Joseph actually reveals himself to his brothers and says, I can't take it anymore. I'm Joseph. I mean, if we're talking like spoiler alert, like, whoa, I can't believe that. I didn't see that coming. He is so overwhelmed with love for his brothers which is weird considering all the bad stuff that he's sold him into. He's more interested in reconciling. He's like, I'm Joseph, I'm your brother, and I have no ill will for you. And go tell my father I'm alive, and you all just come and live with me. And they do, and they live with them for a while, but I think that in the back of, of the Eleven's mind, they're like, listen, he's only doing this because he loves his father. He doesn't love us. And when, Joseph, or when Jacob dies... When Jacob dies, they think that their favor with Joseph died too. And so they come at this point and they say, go say what Jacob said. My kids blew it. They blew it bad. They did you wrong. They did you dirty. They messed with you. They, they did all the wrong things you're not supposed to. Please have mercy on them. Please forgive them. And they threw themselves at Jacob or at Joseph, at his feet, at his mercy, what does Joseph do? Joseph reconciles. Think about that for a moment. Think about a person who's done you wrong in the, in the, recently, maybe in the past, maybe a bitterness you're holding on to. Could you, in that moment, 
forgive them? Or would you take your script that you've been preparing all of your world, all of your life, all this time, and just lock and load and come on, come get your beating. Come get it. It's go time. Did you pack a lunch? Because I'm going to lay it into you. Joseph doesn't. Joseph shows mercy. Joseph shows forgiveness. A person who had received the wrong of the world and through it all, his suffering, he was able to save many. Reminds me of Jesus a little bit. Jesus Christ, who was completely innocent, suffered for us in a way that he didn't deserve He received the evil of all of the world on his shoulders, the burden of our sin upon himself, and was silent like a lamb, as the scripture says. He endured the betrayal of those closest to him. Judas, Peter, they all like sheep ran away. They were scattered. He endured hell in carrying the burden of sin. But he rose to new life in the same way Joseph rose to new life in his role with Pharaoh in order to save many, Jesus rose to new life in the resurrection, had new power, and used it to reconcile and redeem even his enemies from death. See, Jesus suffered for us what we could not endure on our own, so that we can enjoy what he earned through his suffering. And now, instead of when we come to him, he lays, us, and lays it into us and lets us have it as we deserve. Rather, he says, fear not, for I am with you. And that I will take care of you and I will speak kindly to you and I will provide for you. And so as we receive from Christ what we did not deserve, we become enabled then to deal with our own evil and the evil of others. See, I've got a script prepared for that one. It's looking at Joseph. What are the implications for us? Could you be like him? I'd like to. But there's this other part of me that's ready to dole it out. Two minds, as it were. I think the scripture gives us at least two kinds of people in this. There are dealers of evil, people who dole it out, and there are those who receive it. There are those who give it out of whatever is in them, and there are those who are the recipients of evil. And the worst thing is that we're both. We are all both capable of terrible, terrible evil. We are capable of laying into people and doing harm and doing uh, bad things, of murdering, uh, uh, of tearing people apart. Because we are jealous, or we don't like them, or we don't like the way they do things. We We are hateful and spiteful. We are all those things, and we give it out on a consistent basis, but we are also those who receive it. For one person's giving out, there's always going to be someone who's on the other end of that. This passage gives us insight how we as Christians can deal with both. So here we go. When we are the inflictor of the pain, because you and I today at some point will be an inflictor of evil on somebody. The scripture says, if anybody says that I do not sin, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. If we say we were without sin, we are all with sin. 
what we ought to do is that when we are the inflictor of the pain, when we are like the 11 brothers here, we ought to do what they did in this passage. And that is, number one, recognize and acknowledge that my actions towards another has hurt them. The worst thing we can do is when we find out that what we have done is, has hurt somebody is to go and say, oh, I'm so sorry I did that, but you deserved it. But I was hungry or, or, or agitated or lonely or tired. I was something else and I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. No, no, no. When we hurt others, we ought to simply go to them and go, man, I blew it. To be like Joseph's brothers, to lay themselves down and go, we are the servants of yours. Listen, it sounds like exactly what the prodigal son did. I will go home, I will tell my father I blew it big time, and I'm just going to lay down and say, I don't deserve anything from you. I will be one of your servants. Whatever it is, I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry. I, I, I can't say it enough. We must recognize and acknowledge it. And we must do it in person. Please do not text somebody a sorry I've seen that, and I just wanted to like, text them back in all caps. You better show up. So the brothers have sent the initial plea in a letter or through their servants, but then they actually came, and they were in front of Joseph and said and repented. They fell down before him in person. And the lastly, I think what they did here is important. They sought forgiveness and humility. Please now forgive the transgression. You see, they didn't gloss over it. They didn't say... Uh, they didn't say, well, yeah, but. They, they, they came earnestly. They sought forgiveness. And they placed themselves at the mercy of the other person, of Joseph. And they accept whatever comes. That's what we ought to do when we give it out. But too often, you and I also focus on our, our woundedness. We are all wounded that came in here this morning. We are all in a state of having somebody who has done us wrong at some point, and we carry those wounds with us. Joseph carried them for years. 10, 15, 20 years he carried these wounds with him. How do we deal with it when people wound us? See, Joseph did one thing. that was uh, He did three things, at least. Number one, Joseph exercised patience in pronouncing judgment. If you go way back in chapter 43 and 44, Joseph did not give his brothers what they deserved. Rather, he exercised restraint with them. He reserved judgment. Yes, they deserved it. Let's be clear. Those that wound us deserve judgment. But it is not ours to give. Joseph says it here. Am I in the place of God? Am I the one who really has the right to actually do this? I am not in the place of God. I will restrain. See, many times Joseph's love for his brothers overwhelmed him to the point he had to leave the room a few times because he was just, he's like, ah, you, you blew me off and oh my gosh, I love you and I just want to be your brother again. So when we are wounded by others, we ought to restrain ourselves from wrath and judgment and that'll be hard. We have to take a moment, take a breath, walk away, consider God's patience with you. We got to practice reserving judgment on people. But secondly, what he did is that Joseph prayerfully considered God's perspective on his own journey of suffering. This gets into the element of why do good things happen to bad people or bad things happen to good people. 
Joseph sought God over the years. And he was able to somehow reflect all the way back and go, look, if this had not happened, none of these people would be saved. If I hadn't gone through hell and back, if I hadn't endured all of the suffering and stuff that I had to go through, we would not be in a place right now where an entire country, an entire region, and my family would be saved. If it had just come where I was able to escape and go back and execute judgment, we'd all be dead. Joseph was able to retroactively look back over his life and see the hand of God as God moved him from suffering to suffering to suffering just so that at this moment in time they all could be saved. See, we're often very nearsighted and peripherally blind when we are wounded. We can't see two feet in front of us and we can't see anything on the side. All we see is our pain. But Joseph in his suffering had time to consider that God had a purpose for everything. He says here, you meant evil against me. He acknowledges that, listen, yes, you did me wrong, but God had other plans for it. God takes the crap. He takes the lemons. He takes the worst that we suffer and says, I can work with this to make something out of what you couldn't make out of it. I can make good out of the evil in the world. God meant it for good to bring about all uh, that many people should be kept alive. See, Joseph's suffering was for just this time to save others and reconcile his family. See, Jesus did the same thing. He suffered and died under the worst injustice the world has ever seen. And yet, without that evil done to him, we could not be here rejoicing this morning, standing made right with God, if that had not happened. There's a heavenly perspective that most of us do not have when we are wronged or hurt, but it's important that we ought to prayerfully consider that, that we ought to wait in judgment, but also ask God for His perspective. See, God's purposes and perspective come through prayer, and God will give us insight, I hope. And as God was with Joseph in the suffering, He enabled Joseph to see clearly the why. And lastly... Joseph freely gave forgiveness to his brothers out of love for them. You notice here, grace was applied where wrath was deserved. Joseph loved his brothers in spite of their sin and chose to forgive and reconcile. I love what he says here at the very end. They're on their faces waiting for death. And Joseph says these great words, So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. He spoke kindly and comforted them. I don't know if you know recently what it feels like to have done somebody wrong and then to sit in front of them and instead of wrath, they give mercy. That is what Joseph did here. Joseph considered the worth of reconciliation and love more valuable than his own need to execute wrath. He loved his family so much that he was willing to put aside his pain and put aside his hurt and love them. He, he considered that reconciling with his enemies was far, more, was far better than the momentary joy or, or, of destroying them. 
so too the value of being reconciled to those who wish us harm is worth the cost of letting go our wrath, no matter how much they deserve it. See, Jesus freely forgave us, endured the cross and the grave that we might be forgiven and reconciled to Him. Therefore, reconciled people reconcile. So, bring it to full circle here. How do we deal with evil? How do we deal with it when we are wrong and when we've been wronged? We must come and receive Christ's forgiveness and then also forgive. Freely I have received, freely I give. The old Catholic prayer used to go. I know that many of you here this morning have dealt with hurt and dealt with pain. I am with you. And as hard as it is to let go of our pain, and as hard as it is to let go of our woundedness, and just God wants you to know that He has forgiveness available for you and will work with you through this time of suffering that you may or may not be going through. As you have been forgiven, so you ought to forgive. That's going to be rough. Don't worry, I'll walk with you through it because I'm in the same boat. We'll hold each other up. <laughs> 